Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. All right, guys. Well, let's see what we got going on today. So, a couple things, man, before we get going with this, this awesome teaching that I think the Lord has for us today. Um, a couple of announcements before we get started. Like Luke said, middle school camp is this Thursday. Really excited about that. So, Jazz, middle schoolers, are you excited about it? Yeah. yeah. Gavin said he's been packed since, since May. No, <laughs> since Monday. He's been packed since Monday. There's still some room, guys. There's still some room. So middle schoolers, if you haven't signed up yet, eighth graders, you going into high school. If you want to go, there's still room. It's a great opportunity just to get away. Like Erica was talking about with worship. It's just a time to go and to just kind of cut off from so many stresses and so many things. You know, many of you guys will be just finishing school. So it's one of those things that like, man, you just need to go and unplug and see what God has for you. I got some awesome teachers coming up. Josh Beauvais from Newcastle. Grandpa Mike Guthrie is going to be up there. Uh, Caleb DeIro, man, I've got, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Just good, awesome brothers and sisters in the Lord. We got some amazing high schoolers going to come up, E117, middle schoolers. You guys are going to, you guys are going to run them ragged, okay? Like I'm going to, we're going to work them, all right? Um, so much fun. So if you're a middle schooler and you still want to go, there's so much time, so much room. Please sign up, all right? Uh, then next week, seniors, I don't know if there's any seniors who haven't signed up. Really excited for this. This is one of my favorite events. I'm getting a lot of reverb, Kevin. Getting a lot of feedback. Um, so this is one of my favorite events that, that we get to do. Uh, so if you are a senior and you haven't signed up for this, or you are a senior and you have a friend that you want to bring along, um, please, like, We've still got some room. The cabin is this big, gorgeous cabin that we get to use for free because the Lord is really good, and um, we just get to go and escape together. It's going to be a little bit warmer than it was last year, so we'll probably get to hit the lake. It's going to be cold, but we're going to hit the lake. Um, So seniors, sign up for that. And then two weeks from now, we've got our gleanings trip, the 18th, you guys, through the 23rd. Gleanings is going to be a lot of fun. I like that we're going a little bit earlier in the year. It's not going to be like 100 degrees. It's It's going to be in the 80s or 90s. Good work together, good fellowship, good just like ministry together. So upcoming eighth graders to freshmen, if you guys want to go, there's room for you guys. And if you high schoolers that want to be a part of it, come on out. Let's do it. I'm excited about it. So that's summer, man. And then Thailand and then Shively's on vacation. It's just, it's awesome. One step at a time. Uh, we're, we're in it for the long haul this, this summer. So anyway, with that, guys, uh, I'm excited about tonight's teaching so as you see there, uh, those are not the knuckles I want. I do want to get my knuckles tattooed, but not like that. But the, the title of, the, of the, the message tonight is True Love, Can You Handle This Kind of Love? Can you handle this kind of love? Now, of course, we're talking about different types of love. You know, when we say the word love, our English, English language uses the word love for all kinds of things. You know, I love my dog. I love in and out I love Erica. <laughs> Those are three very different loves. But yet, the love we're going to talk about tonight, I want to ask you guys, can you handle this type of love? Do you think you can handle this strong of love, this passionate of love, this intense of love? 
I think many, like not very many of us actually as humans have ever experienced or can truly experience this type of love. So we're actually going to be there, like it says, John 15, verses 12 through 17 tonight. So if you've got a Bible, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 12. That's where we're going to start out tonight. We're just going to read a couple of verses, and you're going to see right offhand why Josh chose true love for this title tonight. And even asking us, man, with this type of love that Jesus describes in these couple of verses, man, I don't know if I've ever felt something so intense. If you can really read into what Jesus says here, I, I, would, I would almost gamble that you've never felt this intense of love, what Jesus talks about here. And yet, I hope that after a teaching like this, a night like tonight, as you grow and mature in your faith there, Baca, that you would grow to a place of understanding and desiring this type of love that much more, and you're going to understand where it comes from, and the only place you can get it in this life, you guys. All right, so hopefully you're there. John 15, verses 12 through 17. It reads like this, this is my command, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Just right off the bat there, Jesus is saying that you are to love each other as I have loved you. Then he gives us a description there, Corbin. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for a friend. Jesus then defines this intense love by saying the greatest love is when someone is willing to lay down their life for someone else. Verse 14, he continues, you are my best friends or you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what, what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Whoa. But I've called you friends, pay attention. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Verse 16, you did not, or you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should, be, should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. Verse 17, he finishes, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. Father, we come before you and thank you for defining for us this intense love. I know as I studied through this and read through this, God, it, it burdened me that I don't know if I could ever give this type of love truly like you did, Jesus. But God, I also was encouraged that, that Man, I don't have to be perfect, but I can live the best of my ability like you in this type of love to other people. And so, God, help us to gain that tonight. Father, thank you that your word is true and real. Help us just to, to, to grow in it tonight as we read through it. Help small groups. Help us to unpack it a little bit more as we gather together. Lord, we give you praise and worship tonight in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, like I said, it defines love in a very intense way. Jesus goes to this. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking intimately to his disciples, these men that had followed him for, for over three years, who had seen him love and how to love, right? So then we have to ask the question, when we read a text like this, I hope that you would ask them, what is love? What is love, Jesus, right? What is love? And so, and so I don't know, like here's a couple memes that describe love. These, these pale in comparison, but, but, you know, this is the memes here. Um, so, you know, there's Buzz Lightyear saying fake love, fake love everywhere, right? I love the, the couch one, right? I love you couch, you understand me. Um, love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably crappy. Um, <laughs> not funny, guys? No? Okay. Uh, I don't care. I still love winter more than summer, and he's freezing there. It's Jack Nicholson, right? So these are silly, right? These are silly, right? When I try to be mad at you, but really, I love you too much, you know? These are just memes. These are silly memes that describe love, right? There's songs. There's literally a song, What is Love, right? What is love? 
Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I know. You guys don't know the SNL skit. <laughs> it's an old, uh, yeah, anyway. So, I know, I know. You can Google it. It's on YouTube. All right. So, these are just silly. But I guarantee, even as I was reading this, and this was defining in you, it's like, it's like the idea of love comes to your mind. Like, what is love? And what is, what is love to me? How have I felt love? How have I given love? Well, like I said at the beginning of this, the lo- word love can mean v- many different things, even though in the English language, we just use the word love for multiple things. And so, and so we look at the actual original Greek of the New Testament. It actually defines for us these five different types of loves. I'm sorry, four different types. Of, there are five, but these are the four different types of loves that, that we read when we go through the Bible. And so the first one there is eros, which eros is the Greek word that is used to describe a romantic love between a man and a woman. So when you're married and you say, I love you to your wife or to your husband, this is an eros type of love, an erotic type love, a, a, a union type love. There's storage, which is the Greek word used to describe the natural overflowing love that family members have for one another. When you see your grandparents and you haven't seen them for a long time or aunts and uncles or you say, I love you to your parents, or your parents say, I love you to you, that's that type of love, a family type of love. There's philia, which is the Greek word used to describe deep, meaningful friendship. Right? We see this in the Bible between Jonathan and David when they said our souls are knitted together. It's probably the, the best description of that brotherly friendship love that it's just like, man, we are together in this life. We're going to live life together. It's a brotherly type love. And the last one there is agape, right? Agape, we hear this word. You've probably heard it before. It's a very Christian-y type of word. We at Calvary have an agape night, right? The, the first or second Wednesday of the month. I can't remember right now. Um, we have an agape night. And now this is a Greek word for sacrificial, self-giving love that is primarily concerned with the good of someone else. Agape love is much more than a feeling, although feelings are certainly part of it. Agape love is demonstrated through action. Now, when we read John chapter 15, verses 12 through, 12 through 17 again, we look at that, we see the word love multiple times, and this is the love Jesus is talking about, agape love. He's not talking about a romantic love. He's not talking even about that strong brotherly love or even the family love, but he's talking about agape, this sacrificial love. Now, this love is not just, like it says in the definition, not just a I love you and I'm willing to sacrifice for you, but it's not just saying it but it's the action behind it. It's very similar to us saying, I'm a Christian, but yet there's no evidence to our faith. It's when there's evidence behind that back up that says, I'm a Christian, I am Christ-like, I live out this faith. That's an agape type of love because ultimately we're choosing to live like Jesus who ultimately chose to live a sacrificial agape type of love. This is an action type. And so when Jesus says, this is my commandment that you agape one another, as I have agape to you, that you would sacrifice for one another as I have sacrificed for you. Greater agape has none than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend. It brings a little more substance to it, doesn't it? Verse 17, these things I command you so that you will agape one another, so that you would sacrifice for, your, for others, that others would sacrifice for you. This is an intense love. This is a love that, that draws us into faith, you guys. See, I would almost argue that when someone, without maybe even fully understanding it, but grasps some type of this agape love that Jesus has for them, this is what draws them to salvation. See, as beautiful as a church can be, as amazing as a youth group can be in a community of people, 
as much as worship can draw us in emotionally and there can be a good teaching that convicts us, nothing draws us to salvation like the love, the agape love of Jesus. Nothing draws us to the salvation that God has for us rather than the agape love that Jesus has for us because it was a self-sacrificing love. When we get that, when we understand that Jesus sacrificed for me, man, that draws me to faith. That draws me to Jesus. It draws me to Christianity. It draws me to wanting to be the best Jesus follower I can be because he sacrificed for me. And then on top of that, he now challenges us now to be this way for each other. You guys, this is intense. It is. But it also should just be something that draws you to to such a place of joy because we realize that our Savior, our God, was not some far-off deity, not some concept that just left us down here to do what we will or as some bully with a, with a magnifying glass over an anthill, but our God was willing to sacrifice himself for you and I. He loves you this much. He agapes you this much that he would sacrifice himself. And we see this in the Gospels. We see this with Jesus' life, his ministry, his death on the cross, and then his resurrection and ascension. And so he calls us to this. You guys, the fact is that even though the disciples are not able to imitate Jesus' unique actions, they can imitate the kind of love that he displays. See, Pritchard being one of his disciples, when you hear this, like, Jesus, you were perfect. (laughs) You loved people like we'd never seen before. You touched people like we had never even thought of. You reached out to the lepers. You reached out to the sick, the dying, the blind, the mute, the retarded, you guys, those that were left out of the city. You reached out to them, Jesus, and you loved them. You sacrificed for them. Jesus, how can I live that way? And see, Jesus wasn't demanding perfection from the disciples. He's not demanding perfection from us, but he is saying you can imitate this kind of love for each other. Ultimately speaking to his disciples who would start the church, who led the first century church, and 2,000 years later, here we sit, and we're still that church, guys. The command is still for us today. So kind of walking through this, as we pick up in, in verse 12 through, through 13, he says again, this is my commandment that you love or agape one another as I have loved you. Greater agape has no one than this that one, someone would lay down his life for a friend. Now what this tells us about God, you guys, is that he is willing to demonstrate the greatest form of love sacrificial love. Ultimately, this tells us about our God that he's willing to demonstrate this. Not just say it, not just say something that makes us feel warm and and fuzzy inside and then when we leave church, we're just like, man, that was a great talk. But like Jesus is willing to to show us, to demonstrate this type of sacrificial love. So ultimately, if that's God's character and reading a text like this, the question then comes, how is Jesus calling you and I to love? How is he calling you and I to love? Well, first off, he says, follow his commandments, right? He says, this is my commandment that you love one another. This is my commandment. So the first way that we love is actually by following Jesus' commandment. I would even say that you cannot love like Jesus if you're not willing to follow his commandments. You cannot love like Jesus if you are not willing to live each day like Jesus calls you to live. You cannot love like Jesus if you're not willing to walk in the spirit and surrender yourself each day saying, Jesus, you are Lord, I'm not. You are king over my life, I'm not. Your will be done, not Josh's will. You cannot love like Jesus unless you're willing to follow his commandments. I've known many people through my life that are incredible people. They are moral people. They love people, they serve people, 
but yet ultimately they, they have no concept of an agape type love because they have no concept of, command, of G, following Jesus' life, of following Jesus' example and ultimately following his commandments. I know atheists that are moral people. They're great. I will gladly sit down and have a cup of coffee with them, somewhat more than other Christians, honestly. But like the thing is, they still have no concept of sacrificial love like Jesus because they do not choose to follow his commandments. See, Christians, this calls us to each day, if we choose to be like Jesus, then his greatest commandment to us is to be sacrificial to one another. But see, we're deceiving ourselves. We're imagining it. We're in la-la land. We think we can ever be that and not follow his commandments, not follow the way that he lived for us to live. Second there, love as Jesus did, sacrifice as Jesus did, live as Jesus did. Look at his example. His gospels show us how he lived each day, how he spoke to people, how he was kind to people, how he spoke truth and love in this perfect balance. And we need to look to Jesus' example. See, the thing is, we look to all kinds of influencers. We look to uh, all kinds of, of, of um, you know, musical talents and actors and, and athletes and all these influences in our, in our life to how we should talk, how we should dress, how we should interact with one another. And yet ultimately we're skipping over and we're missing the greatest example right before us in the word, which is Jesus. And so we forget that, man, if I don't choose to live, to love, and to sacrifice like he did, then I can't truly ever reach what he's calling me to be. I can't truly be the church. I can't truly be the Christian that he's calling me to be if I can't live and love and sacrifice like he did. But see, you got to know him. right? you got to know what he's about. You gotta know how he did. You gotta see the thing is the reason this was so impactful to the disciples was because they saw it. They saw it each and every day for over three years. They walked and talked and ministered with Jesus. And so when he commanded them to do this, it was like real to them. And so if you're reading your Bible, guys, if you're praying, if you have some type of spiritual life where you're you're following after Jesus on your own, then when a commandment comes like this, you're like, okay, I kind of get it. Because I see how Jesus did it. I personally know how he did it because I've read his word because it's part of my daily walk. It's part of who I am because I take it in all the time. And so it's not this far off concept, but it's something real and tangible, something we can grasp. He then continues in verse 15 through, in verse 14 through 15, where he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends. He even takes it deeper. This friends, you guys, is this philios type love, this brotherly love, but it's, it's tied in with this agape love. When you read it in the Greek, it's tied in this agape type brotherly love. It's a sacrificial love for one another in a very intense way. He says that in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, what this says about you and I is that, that being God's friend goes hand in hand with doing what he has commanded us to do. They go hand in hand. They can't be separated. See, as I finish the last point, you getting to know Jesus by reading his word, by, by getting to know his gospels and who he is, how he interacted with people, what that does is it builds a relationship to where Jesus, when he says, you are my friends, you're not just my servants, you're not just like the servants of my kingdom, but you are actually my friends because, because you know what the Father is calling me to do because I've shared it with you. So you guys, when we become Christians, yes, Jesus is Lord. Don't get me wrong. He needs to be Savior. He needs to be Lord over your life. But ultimately, you have communion with him. So when you pray, 
When you go, Jesus, like, what is your calling for my life? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to interact? God, I'm having this problem or this issue. I got this sin in my life. And you pray. What you have is direct communion with God himself. A servant doesn't have direct communion with the king, guys. (laughs) But a friend does. See, a friend is invited into the throne room. A friend is invited into a place of communion and fellowship and relationship with the king. And so Jesus has this for us. And so really being Jesus' friends go hand in hand because we know what the Father is calling us to do. So what does it mean to be a friend of God, you guys? What does it mean to be a friend of God? I mean, we read through the Bible and we see many servants of God, right? We see lots of followers of God. But man, I want to be called a friend of God. You know, Moses was called a friend of God. James depicts this in James chapter 2, verse 23, where he says, The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham chose to follow after God. He chose to, to let go of all these false idols and deities. Literally, he was raised in the type of land where that's all they did was worship false gods. And yet, the true God of heaven and earth called to him. He said, all right, I believe that God. (laughs) All these other stone gods have never spoken to me my entire life. I've sacrificed to them. I've watched my dad carve them. We've sacrificed and we've followed after them, but they've never spoken to me. But the God of the universe just spoke to me. I'm gonna follow after him. And because he chose to follow, because he chose to go hand in hand with believing God, he was also a friend of God. You guys, what a beautiful story for you and I. Abraham was not perfect. Abraham didn't grow up going to Sunday school. He knew no VeggieTales songs. Like, he didn't know any of that. But what he knew was these gods are not real. They will never fulfill. They will never do anything for me that's good. But that God of heaven, he will do for me what he says he's gonna do because he speaks and he knows my name. And because he believed that God, he was counted as friends. You guys, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be in this perfect place of, of always coming to church and looking all Christian-y. Believe God. Follow after him. Be usable like Abraham was. Be, be available like Abraham was. And you too, me too, you guys, we can be friends of God. What a cool, amazing thing. Also, James in 4, James 4, 4, it says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or, or, or to be an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friends of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You guys, James even takes this a step further. Like, if you want to be friends with the world, you want to be friends with those false idols like Abraham had in his house, you want to serve those gods, you cannot be friends of God. You can't believe him and the world. You cannot believe him and those false deities. You can't have a a foot on each side of the fence, you guys. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. It literally, it comes down to the place where you will serve one idol or the other. You will either serve God or you'll serve self is what it really comes down to. And the question is, do you choose to be friends with the world, friends with with what fits in, what's popular, or do you choose to be friends with God and do what he has called you to do? See, that example of Abraham, he had to forsake everything. He had to forsake everything he ever knew. And he was an old man at this point, his whole life was surrounded by idolatry and and false idols, you guys, and false gods. And yet at this point, he just decided, all right, this is not working. I need to follow God. And you guys are young. You guys are middle schoolers and high schoolers. You have such an opportunity at such a young age to say, God, I will believe in you. I will follow you. I will be friends with you. 
I don't want to be friends with the world. I don't want to be friends with what's popular or the way the world says I need to look or act or talk. God, you know what's best for me. I want to follow after you. Lastly, as we finish, you guys, basically we believe we follow what he says. Right? We believe and we follow what he says. And then he finishes in verse 15, and, uh, I'm sorry, 16 and 17. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should, be, should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love or agape one another. He then finishes by saying, basically, you got to understand that I chose you. Out of, out of all humankind, you guys, he chose you. He knew you. He knew me. He called us to a place of, of not just, you guys, to be some servant, to be some trophy of like, look what I got. I got another Christian, right? Like not to be just a, like some, some church seat filler, right? He doesn't just want Christians who know all the words to the Christian songs. <laughs> like he doesn't, want, he doesn't want that. But he chose you to be a friend of his so that you would not just be a friend and you could walk around with this kind of chip on your shoulder saying, guess who's a friend of God? This guy, right? Like he chose you, as he says here, that you would bear fruit and that fruit should abide. That your life would literally be this life that bears good fruit. And that good fruit would abide in God's will. So the beautiful thing about this, you guys, is, is when, when, when we come to a place of saving grace in Jesus, I know many of you grew up in the church. Many of you, your testimony is, I've, I think I've always been a Christian. And many of you, are at some point in that, that like middle school to high school time, you said, at this point, I'm serving Jesus. I'm choosing to. You know, my testimony is that I, I, was, I was raised in a non-Christian home. And when I became a Christian, you guys, I did not wake up that morning going, you know what? I'm going to be a friend of God today. <laughs> I'm going to get saved tonight. That was not my, I, I had no clue. I had no idea. But I knew that when I felt the hand of God, when I knew that, that the spirit of God was calling me to salvation, I knew that he was choosing me. And I went home that night knowing that I was chosen. Not by anything that I did. I did nothing to earn it. I was not special. It was because he chose me. And from that point on, you guys, I, I believed him. I followed him. I now know in the deepest part of my heart that I'm a friend of God and my life bears fruit. It bears good fruit, guys. Not crappy fruit, not corrupt fruit, not selfish fruit, even though that sin nature is still there. I'm sure I corrupt a little bit of fruit sometimes. But yet my life in whole is bearing good fruit and that fruit is proof that I abide in God. It's a beautiful kind of circle that Jesus, he, he, chose, he chooses you, you believe him, you become friends of God, he equips your life to abide, that fruit, or that equips your life to bear fruit, that fruit abides, and that's the proof that you are a Christian. How awesome is that? And guess what? All you gotta do is believe. That's all you gotta do. That's all I gotta do. It's a beautiful process. He then says, basically, like, and I do this so that you would agape one another. See, this tells us about God that He chooses us for purpose, produce, and passion. Like the three Ps there, purpose, produce, and passion. Now, why did God choose you and I, you guys? Why did he? Well, the first one, purpose. We did not choose him, but he chose us. He chose you for a purpose. Don't ever underestimate this. 
I don't care what you're, where you're from, what you've been through in your life. I don't care what kind of household you're in right now or where your mindset is. God has chosen you for a purpose. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. It's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be always going to be rainbow and sunshine. But the fact is, it's going to be good because God has it for you. He chose you to produce. He chose you to produce. Again, he didn't choose you to be put on the shelf. He didn't choose you just to be a trophy where God's like, look, I got one more Christian, but he chose you to produce, right? He chose us to bear good fruit in our lives that show the evidence of a life that is abiding in him. See, a Christian that is maturing, a Christian that's growing, you're gonna have fruit, evident fruits. In the same way, somebody goes, hey, that's an apple tree. Well, how do you know it's an apple tree? It has apples. <laughs> and that's a cherry tree. How do you know? It's got cherries, right? People can go, that's a Christian. How do you know? They have spiritual fruit. They're bearing fruit that show they abide. Lastly, passion. There we said, again, in verse 17, he says, these things I command you so that you will love or agape one another. See, he chose us for passion, you guys. His greatest desire is for us to know and live out his sacrificial love for one another. Again, as I started this message, the fact is you and I, outside of Christ, will never know this type of passion. We'll never know this type of love. We'll never know this type of agape outside of Christ. But in Christ, you and I can have passion, not just for one another, not just true sacrificial love for one another, but sacrificial love for a world that needs to know this type of love. Sacrificial love for those around us that don't know Jesus, that don't know your salvation, that don't know your faith. You can have and share this type of passion because you've received it from Jesus. But only in Jesus do we have it. Now, lastly, as we look at a couple applications, you guys. First one, choose one person you're going to share Jesus with today. Just right now in your notebook, in your mind, write it down. Who's one person that you are going to share Jesus with today? All right? Maybe not tonight because we'll finish youth group late, but, but maybe you're going to see this person tomorrow. Maybe you're going to see this person in the next week. I don't know. Maybe you're not going to see this person until next year when you go back to school, but write it down. If you got a phone, you can pull it out and put it in your notes. It's okay. But like, write it down. Who is one person that you want to share Jesus with? Just write it down. Number two, don't be a fake friend of God's. Be the legit thing. <laughs> See, like I said, God has many servants. God has many men and women that pretend to be Christians, but be the legit thing, guys. Choose to believe. Choose to be available. Choose to be usable before him. Be the legit thing. Number three, choose to be a friend of God's over a friend of the world. It, it starts with little things. It really does. Not many of us can go home tonight and just cut out all those places we choose to be friends with the world over God. That's hard. A lot of times it's like, it's like trying to get off a wetsuit or something like that. It's just difficult. But see, if we take little steps, maybe you go home tonight or maybe there's a conviction happening right now to the type of music you're listening to, the type of friends that you have, the type of relationships that you're, you're building outside of the church, and maybe those things need to, need to be changed. Right? They need to be molded so that you're not so much friends with that and enemies of God, but you are friends with God and enemies with those type of things. Number four, spend more time with God. <laughs> Just spend more time with God. I guarantee you have a Bible. Right? If you don't, come talk to me. I have Bibles. This is a church. I got brand new ones upstairs. I keep them because I give them to kids. <laughs> and then I find them afterward, and I just give them back. <laughs> the thing is, guys, just spend more time with them. Pick up your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray. Journal a little bit. You guys, just spend time with God. You can download the Bible app, and you can pick a different accent 
that reads it to you. You can get a British lady. You can get an Australian guy. You can get an Irish lady. Mine's an Irish lady. Like, it's like, like you literally can have different accents. Read it back to you. It makes me feel warm in the morning when I'm drinking coffee. I don't know. It like makes me feel like, like, I'm, like I'm in the mountains of Ireland reading my Bible over the moors. I don't know. Like, it just has, like, gives you like, that sense. Anyway, I don't have to justify myself to you <laughs> or Erica. <laughs> if there was a Filipino accent, I'd listen to that, but there's not, all right? So <laughs> all right. Read the Bible, guys. Pray. Spend more time with God. Lastly, number five, ask God what his purpose is for you. See what fruit that produces, and then find out what you are passionate about in this life. See, last summer I was convicted as, as a mentor of mine asked me, Josh Shively, who are you and what breaks your heart? And at 36 years old, doing ministry for over 15 years, I had never asked myself that. <laughs> I just thought it was youth, right? I was like youth, I like hanging out with kids. I don't know, but like, and I started asking myself that. And so I, I want to lay this before you guys. Maybe even this summer while you take a break or you go on vacation, like ask God what his purpose for you is. What, what did he make you for? Like the things that you're good at, your desires and your strengths, like, like even your fears, what did he make you for? When you ask him that, then, then start imagining what that fruit could be. Go ahead and imagine it. Lord, what kind of fruit will produce if I choose to say yes to you and your purpose for my life? And then lastly, like, like God, then what is my passion? What breaks my heart? What is something that you are just, you, you are dying for me to say yes to, God? That you are just waiting for me to say, yes, God, I will do this. I will be available for you for what you've made me to do. As we finish up tonight, guys, I just want to lay before you that, again, you will never understand this type of love outside of Jesus. You just won't. You will not find it in a relationship. You will not find it in sex. You will not find it in drugs or alcohol. You will not find it anywhere else in power or money or popularity. You will not find it in anything else other than Jesus. And this type of love is, is what we were made to do, guys. This is like a puzzle piece to your life. So many people spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars to find this type of love in this life. But yet here we sit tonight and this is the puzzle piece, this agape type love. Jesus is saying it's here for you. Plug it in. See how it fits and see how it just makes you just come to life. So Father, we thank you so much for this grace. We thank you so much for your mercy. I thank you that you speak to us through your word. And God, I pray that this group would just grasp that. They would understand how amazing your word is for their lives and for what you have for them. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Let small groups just continue just to, to grow and awaken these kids, Lord, to you. So, Father, we give you tonight. Bless my small group leaders, Lord. Let them just speak honest and truth and love to the students as they walk through this. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.